Hello and welcome to The Scrum, the WGBH News podcast where we talk about politics and media from Beacon Hill to the Beltway. I'm Adam Riley, and this week we're talking about Boston Mayor Marty Walsh, specifically whether the mayor's job is his as long as he wants it. For the record, at the end of this year, Walsh will have been mayor for two years. In other words, he'll be at about 10% of his predecessor, Tom Menino's record-setting time in office. Now, Mayor Walsh did say recently that he's going to seek a second term. And when he runs for re-election in 2017, he'll have at least one opponent. Her name is Mary Franklin. She lives in Roslindale. And almost two decades ago, she lost her husband, Melvin, in a murder that remains unsolved. Today, Mary Franklin works with women survivors of homicide. This week, I spoke with her about why she's running. I am running for mayor of Boston because I feel that there is a huge amount of citizens in our city who do not have a voice, who are depressed, oppressed, and have no hope. And I believe that I am a leader that can restore hope in a city of a sea of people, really, who are hopeless. Now, I know the sound quality there isn't the best, but I think Mary Franklin's passion is palpable. Still, it's not really clear that she or anyone else could actually unseat Marty Walsh. The advantages of mayoral incumbency are huge, and it's been decades since a sitting Boston mayor lost a bid for re-election. So here's my question. Is Marty Walsh already mayor for life? The other day, I headed out to City Hall Plaza, which, despite that little bit of green space the mayor rolled out a while ago, remains a windswept, pretty barren spot, and kicked that question around with Gintoutis Dumpsius of Mass Live and Shirley Leung of the Boston Globe. Gin and Shirley, thank you both for making time to come here to City Hall Plaza, by the way. I should note where Marty Walsh has been, help me count, nearly two years now, coming up on two years? All right, Gin, let's start with you. Since you wrote a book, right, about the previous mayoral race, remind me of the title and how uh, listeners can get it if they're so disposed. Sure, it's uh, an ebook. Uh, it's called This Way to City Hall. It's uh, on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and uh, I'd love to break even on it someday, so <laughs> please, please buy it. All right, uh, after everyone uh, pauses to buy it and comes back to listen to this, um, what is your take on? Whether Marty Walsh is likely, whether it's in this upcoming 2017 election cycle or any election cycle after that, to face any kind of meaningful challenge. Do you think he's going to? Do any of the people that you wrote about in such detail you know, want to come back and try to unseat him? Well, he's hired a bunch of them. I mean, Felix Arroyo, you've got uh, the, the younger there, he ran. John Barrows, he ran. But I think it could be his job for as long as he wants it. Uh, in 1997, uh, Mayor Menino did not have a challenger. It was the first time an incumbent had not faced a challenge, in, uh, I believe, in that the position. And that was his second go-round, right? His when he was running for re-election for the first time. And he had also said at that point that he was going to serve only two terms. And then he modified it to say only two terms in, the, in each century. But he also had 74% uh, popularity, I think it was the New York Times reported, yeah. and uh, obviously a massive war chest that comes with incumbency. Wait, so. are you talking Menino or Marty Walsh? Menino. Yeah. So in 97. So that I, I think those were both factors, and they're probably both going to be factors when uh, Marty Walsh is up for re-election. You're probably not going to see too many folks, uh, again, unless he, unless he has a bad stumble or something, I don't think you're going to see too many serious folks uh, taking, a, taking a swing at him. Shirley, if I remember right, when I floated this question over the phone to you, is Marty Walsh already mayor for life? 
I think you cackled in derision, maybe because it was such a dumb question, or maybe because you thought it was too early to be asking it, or maybe some combination of the two. Um, why, did, why did you laugh at me with as much gusto as you did when I gave you a call the other day? Well, I guess, you know, here's a, here's a guy who's only been in office for two years, and we're already calling him mayor for life. I do think he will be a multiple-term mayor. I mean, he, he just announced he'll be running for re-election. I think he should serve two terms. I mean, I think any mayor to accomplish anything of importance you want to serve at least two, possibly three terms. Do I think he'll be there for 20 years? I don't know if he'll be there for 20 years. Um, I think Menino was an exception. I, I can see Marty getting bored after the third term. Um, but I also think the second term will be very different from his first term. Um, I, I do think he'll be very hard to beat at, you know, at the moment. Um, I don't see anything in his way, I mean, it's, though it's still very early. It's still kind of early, but I, I think that um, the second term will be harder. I think the second term, you, we're probably going to have some kind of economic slowdown, and so he's not going to get as much done as he'd like to, and so I think that will push them to do a third term to, to try to get more stuff done. Shirley, you talked to, um, and I'm looking for the right phrase, I want to say captains of industry, that's a little antiquated, but you talk with the city's business elite in a way that, that Ginn and I don't, that's your beat. What do you hear from people in that world when they talk about Mayor Walsh and the job he's doing? Well, first of all, it's hard to get a, an honest answer out of them. I mean, everybody wants to be nice to the mayor and be seen as friends with the mayor. But but by and large, I do think they do like him. He presents himself as a business-friendly mayor. Remember, he came from the building trades. He, was, he ran the building trades, so he knows development very, very well. So he speaks their language. So he, he, he understands the business community very well. And, and he's says all the right things, wanting to streamline permitting, um, wanting to reform the BRA process. So I think right now they, they like him. And, and, and to them, it, it, it was probably a scary proposition. To, you know, they were so used to Menino after 20 years. And um, so they, they want to be able to um, make sure they have someone who, who understands their needs. Again, I think I may have seen you nodding as Shirley said all that, but you've covered politics maybe more from a, a community-based level over the years um, at the Dorchester Reporter, State House News, now Mass Live. What do you hear if you have conversations with people who work in Boston politics, operatives, neighborhood activists, um, politicians who move at the city level? What kind of stuff do they say about the job that Walsh has done and whether a good challenger would make him vulnerable? I think he's still kind of growing into the job, and that's, that's what I'm hearing from folks. Folks who covered Menino in the 90s will say the same thing. It's, it's not an easy job to, to get a handle on, uh, and except the difference here is that Marty Walsh is uh, doing it in a 24-7 news cycle with Twitter, with uh, 10 people on Twitter uh, constantly uh, at him. And, uh, uh, so, so for him, he's also coming from the legislative st standpoint. He was a former state rep. And it's, it was much easier for him. He didn't have to travel with an entourage. He could dip in and out of community meetings. And here, when now, uh, when he arrives at something, it's the mayor coming to something. And it's much different for him to, much uh, more difficult for him to have that kind of like one-on-one -on -one interaction. And also his relation with the media uh, has changed as well. Uh, I remember, uh, you know, I covered the Dorchester delegation. He was always the first state rep to call back, the first Dorchester politician to call back on a story. Didn't matter what, whether it was about a pothole or a bridge out or something, or a policy issue. Uh, he'd always call back. And obviously now you've got additional barrier obviously with with his press office so that's the other fascinating thing to watch too but I overall I'd say he's growing into it and he's gonna he's gonna have to learn how to how to make decisions on a quicker basis I was gonna add that I think he's exceeded people's expectations I mean to uh, follow in the footsteps of Mayor Menino I mean there's a really big shoes to follow and I think a lot of people were 
we're literally afraid of, will the city fall apart? Will something bad happen? And, you know, he's kept things running. And, um, and, and, and I think that's been good. And I think, I mean, I think there was a sense of like, you know, maybe the snow won't get removed. Um, I mean, okay, we did have a bad winter, but he still got most of the snow removed. Um, and so, uh, but but I think he's he's he's. I mean, I, I'm curious what you thought if 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 he's uh, about people's expectations of him, if he's exceeded them or not. I I would say he's managing them to a large degree. I, I it's there was some great nonverbal communication <laughs> there. You were sort of nodding, moving your torso a little bit. Well, managing I, them. What do you mean? Well, I, I mean, I think he's he's obviously got a very different approach than Menino did. I mean, he's much more. I mean, Dan Coe has uh, his chief of staff has been acting a little bit kind of like a, a deputy mayor, or a vice mayor. Um, Co mayor, right? Co mayor, almost. Well, uh. you know, that's. But um, so that's been a fascinating dynamic to watch, and you know, I, 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 I it's tough to, to say whether he's he's exceeding expectations uh, uh, from my standpoint because I'm always I'm always pressing for the pressure points. Well, he's exceeding low expectations. That's what my point. <laughs> Well, let's talk for a little bit about, uh, to use Gin's phrase, the pressure points. Let's suppose that someone was interested in, in taking this job away from Mayor Walsh, which, by the way, I, am I right that hasn't been done in six decades? A sitting mayor of Boston hasn't been unseated in something like 60 years? My math might be slightly off. Anytime I bring up numbers, I turn out to be wrong. But it's been a long, long time since someone had this job and lost it. Uh, that being said, Imagine candidate X coming to the three of us for advice on how to run against Mayor Walsh. Obviously, we couldn't give it to him for professional reasons, but let's say we did. What would we tell that candidate? Uh, where could you maybe try to target Mayor Walsh and throw him off a little bit and find, find weaknesses you could leverage? Twitter? No, I that seems to be kind of the, the thing where he always gets into it with people. But By the way, I actually heard recently, and you may have heard this, I heard that he recently met with some of the 10 people on Twitter to talk with them about how uh, his imagined Boston 2030 effort could unfold, which struck me as a very savvy move. I mean, it's you know he they'd gotten into it publicly back and forth. Um, I thought kudos to him for doing that. Um, so, but that but that's also classic Marty Walsh, right? He when whenever he fights with somebody, he tries to bring them in and he tries to to be that kind of legislative compromiser. Uh, you saw it with uh, House Speaker Robert DeLeo. Uh, Marty Walsh backed the other guy, John, John Rogers, Rogers, in that speaker fight. A couple of years later, Marty Walsh is heading a committee under Bob DeLeo. So I, I think I think that's kind of his style, is to try to bring in the people. Uh, I think my former boss, Bill Forey of Dorchester Reporter, said Marty Walsh is a pleaser. He wants to uh, he wants to bring everybody together in the room and try to hammer out something, some sort of compromise. Because he has those people in the room, that makes it tough for a challenger to mount a credible uh, campaign, and also makes it tougher to raise money. Shirley, what do you think? Again, totally dodged the question in a very eloquent and thought-provoking way, but do you see any weaknesses, let's say his uh, stewardship of the Olympics? Um, I'm trying to think of other things that might Casinos. give people pause. Casinos, yes. I, mean, I was thinking about this. I mean, I, I'm with Gid in that. I think right now Walsh is, is very hard to beat. But let's say Tito Jackson ran, and he ran on an anti-Olympics campaign. Um, I mean, that's the way to do it. You get everybody riled up, get those 10 people on Twitter back on Tito's side. I mean, that's that's one pressure point that you can, uh, that, that everybody was following, everybody got riled about. And, um, and you could probably build some kind of grassroots base from that. It's possible, but it's really tough. I mean, it, it, there's so many factors um, that come into play when you're challenging an incumbent with popularity and a massive war chest. It's By just, the way, I think I was checking the numbers today. I think he raised 1.6 million last year and about 1.2 so far this year. So he's got plenty of money. 
and it's only going to grow at this point. And he's plugged into the Democratic Party too right now, where you know he's um, and and he's great friends with uh, Charlie Baker, the Republican governor. I mean, that, that that those are all those are all factors that have to be considered. That's why you see for any challenger, it's a very very steep climb. All right, you guys aren't giving me much to work with here in, in my hopes of, of trying to gin up some sort of competitive mayoral race. So let's turn just briefly to the question of whether Marty Walsh wants to have this job as long as Tom Menino did. He said the other day, I think it was at the event hosted by your colleague Joshua Miller, that he is going to be running for a second term. I think it was at that same event that he did not rule out running for higher office. How long do you two think Marty Walsh wants this job? I think uh, three terms. He wants a legacy. And um, he doesn't want to be overshadowed by Menino. So I think you have to be there at least three terms to create a legacy. Again, what do you say? I'd say two to three terms. I think he, I think he is interested in higher office. Uh, could be Congress. Uh, he could run for either Steve Lynch's or Michael Capuano's uh, office. He actually he is moving from Steve Lynch's district into Mike Capuano's district. Hmm. Uh, they both share Boston. Can you imagine him doing anything else, Shirley? What about a gubernatorial run statewide? That's a good question. Um, I can, for some reason, I don't see him as governor. Um, I mean, I think his job now is really fun. I, I think, I think, governor. I don't. Know, I don't think being governor is as fun. I, that's a, Congress would actually be a good job for him. He's been in the legislature before. He knows what it's like. But I do think very few jobs would be more fun than being mayor of Boston. I mean, it's, it's such a powerful job, and it's you. You get to pull every single lever you can. I mean, it's you know you're. There's a pothole outside your mother's house. You get to fill it. I mean, that's 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 pretty powerful. And, and you're in total control. You're in total control. I mean, the thing is about the city council is that they're you know 13 member body, but they're relatively weak, and they know it, and they're very frustrated. All right. So my very final question: one person, give me one possible candidate who could make this interesting come 2017. You mentioned Tito Jackson, so I think you're off the hook. So it, can, can we go with Tito Jackson? Yeah, Tito your... Jackson is mine because I can't think of another guy uh, well, or a, a woman. He's a good one. And like you say, he milked the Olympics thing very adroitly. Right. Again, give me one person, not Tito Jackson, who could, if they wanted, give Marty Walsh a, a run for his money. If they really wanted to. Uh, I don't think she's going to do it, but Ayanna Presley, if she wanted to. Because I, I would think Ayanna Presley, she would win it in a walk. This is city councilor Ayanna Presley? City councilor Wait, she would, she would win what in a walk? The, the mayor's race. Wait a minute. She So if she ran against Marty if Walsh in 2017, it. if she wanted it, you think she'd win in a walk? Yes. All right, we got to delete everything that we've gotten <laughs> up until this point. No, we don't. But again, why do you say that? That's quite um, a statement. Because she's a, a African-American woman. She's a powerful speaker. Um, and I think uh, she's got a very bright future ahead of her. And I, and I, you know, again, I don't think she wants it. I think she wants something like Congress uh, because it is that kind of like legislative role, uh, less so National than executive. National profile, right? Right, exactly. Emily's list uh, would go would go all in uh, and and probably back her more than they backed uh, Charlotte Gola Ritchie in the last time, in the last run. Uh, yeah, that didn't work out too that, well. That didn't work out. But, you know, in, in Emily's list defense, I think they saw the campaign that Gola Ritchie was running and they, they pulled up stakes. Right, Shirley, I got to give you a chance. Do you think Gin's right? If Ayanna would if win Ayanna a walk, if Ayanna wants the mayor's job, it's hers. I don't. I don't think she would win a walk. I, I think it would be an ugly fight. I think it'd be. An, I, I. I don't think it would be a, that easy. I mean, I think Marty is very connected, um, entrenched. I think the business community would probably would be very familiar with uh, Walsh and would come out big for him. All right, let's hope it happens. I, I'm <laughs> praying. I don't think I'm going to get it, but Councillor Jackson, Councillor Presley, please. Give us a race to watch. Oh, again, yeah. And I was going to say, I mean, it could be someone we haven't even 
heard of. I mean, you know, uh, Elizabeth Warren, Deval Patrick, these were all outsiders that it's, I mean, I know it's different Senate race and, and governor. It's, it's easier for an outsider to climb those than, than in Boston, because, you know, if, if you haven't lived in the city all your life, it's very tough, but it could be someone we haven't heard of. All right. Well, let's again, let's hope, let's dream. Gintaudis Dumpsius of Mass Live, Shirley Leung of the Boston Globe. Thank you both for making time to talk. Thank you. Thank you. So there you have Gin Dumsius and Shirley Leung's takes, but I'm joined now by Peter Kadzis, the senior editor of WGBHnews.org. And Peter, I say this only partly uh, to kiss up to you. <laughs> you know, with all due respect to Gin and Shirley and uh, me, David Bernstein, anyone else, um, you know more about Boston city politics than anyone I've ever met. No, so, Larry DeCara knows more okay. than I do. And you know Larry. I do know, okay, you know, uh, with the exception of Larry DeCara, more than anyone I've ever met about Boston City politics. How long do you think Marty Walsh is going to be mayor? Okay, let me give you a very precise answer. But then I, first I'm going to be practical, then I'll be theoretical. He will serve a third term, and then he will run for governor in 2022. For governor? for governor in 2022. That's my prediction. Why do you say governor? Um, Congress shouldn't be, but would probably be something of a step down. Uh, James Michael Curley certainly thought it was a step down when he went there. Uh, I think he'd be a terrific congressman. Um, but um, I think Marty's a pretty ambitious guy. And uh, no one, geez, I can't remember the last time. It's been a long time since the mayor of Boston's been elected governor. And uh, I think he would like that distinction. So in the interim, do you expect anyone to make him sweat, whether it's Ayanna Presley or Tito Jackson or some that, undiscovered hot property? Well, I don't know. Again, let, let, let me be academic for a second. I think that um, as, as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, you know, it, no sitting mayor has been unseated in living memory. And I think that goes a long way to back up my theory that any mayor of Boston who stays focused and unindicted could probably hold the job for life. Um, I think that theory is going to run out. Not because of Marty Walsh, but during his term. But mm. let, let me let me build up to that. Let me give you a quick rundown, too. Look, Mayor White ran for governor and was almost named to McGovern's ticket as vice president. Kevin White for the youngins out there. That's right. And um, uh, what's interesting is John Kenneth Galbraith was the one who KO'd his uh, ascension to the national ticket because Kevin White had supported Muskie and it was McGovern who was looking for a vice presidential candidate yeah. after it was revealed that uh, Eagleton had failed to disclose his history oh, of right, depression. Right. So those those two grabs at big brass rings, big silver rings, you know, tarnished White. He was also always in trouble with the feds. He was always under investigation. He was never indicted. Now we come to Ray Flynn. Ray Flynn was elected to three terms, but Ray lost his focus, you know, midway through his second term. You know, he flirted with the idea of running for governor, didn't, uh, but instead went to the Vatican. Enter Tom Menino, you know, the, the, the surprise mayor, the unlikely mayor. 
And it was Tom Menino who entered the history books as being elected five consecutive times. But Menino held on to that job for one reason. He was totally focused on the job. He had no higher ambitions. And um, his first eight years had their rocky moments. A lot of us forget that. But because he was so totally focused, he totally mastered the job. Just as an aside, before I ask you why you think that theory might uh, have a limited uh, lifetime, what were some of those um, rocky moments for Menino early on? Oh, the, the development of the waterfront, a lot of it was just getting used to the job, how to deal with the public, how to deal with the press. You know, everyone remembers a very genial Tom Menino, yeah. the sort of rough, you know, he led his temper show. He was pretty grumpy sometimes in public. Um, it's a big job. We saw that in the mayor during the snowstorm, the current mayor, Mayor Walsh, during the snowstorm. The tremendous pressure you're under when everything falls on your shoulders and you have all the responsibility but you can't control all of the collateral yeah, issues yeah. it it takes a while to get used to that all right given the historical precedent that you've cited why do you think that at some point in the fairly near future simply being interested and unindicted will not be enough to give you a lock on the job okay i'll tell you a couple of weeks before mayor menino decided to retire we were in a green room somewhere and off the top of my head i said you know hey mr mayor do you think you know if you don't run and he sort of smiled giving nothing away um do you think you might be the last white ethnic mayor for some time and he said that very well possibly could be. He said, you know, the, the city's a majority-minority city, um, and those demographic pressures are going to do nothing but intensify. So by white ethnic, I just want to make sure I understand what you mean. You mean the last white mayor of the city. That's, is that yeah, and, and I was thinking white ethnic being, you know, Italian-American, Irish-American, yeah, Armenian-American. Yeah. Somehow wasps, even though they're an ethnic group, seem to float above. Yes, I know as a non-wasp, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, float above that. And that's usually because when I, those wasps also happen to be rich, and rich people are in a class all by themselves, at least in terms of municipal politics. But, you know, Let's go back and touch on something that um, Gin said, and let's use Ayanna Presley as a, as a case study here. You know, she would be a formidable candidate. Um, let's not forget, in the last two elections, she, you know, was the ticket topper uh, citywide in 211, with, I might add, some real help from John Conley. You know, she won mm -hmm. 13 out of the city's 22 wards. It's pretty impressive. And she repeated, or came close to repeating that, in the most recent municipal election. But there's a big but here. Her husband, Conan Harris, works for Mayor Walsh. He's the deputy superintendent of public safety initiatives. A little confession like here. I forgot to bring that up when I was talking with Ginn and Shirley. And when I mentioned it to them after, I think maybe just to Ginn after, I'm not sure he knew. And I learned this fact from you, by the yeah, way. Yeah, it's, you, you know, it, it, it's, um, you know it's, a, it's a little known fact. Yeah. But that, to me, says she's not running this time. Um, Ginn and Shirley, one or the other, both mentioned that, you know, everyone thinks she's sort of a congressional type anyway. Mm -hmm. I, I, I do think that's the way her ambitions run. 
But let's say Ayanna Presley does run, if not now, you know, four years hence. What does Linda Dorsina Fori do? Do we assume that because she's a woman of color, she automatically backs Presley? Talking, of course, about State Senator Linda Dorsina Fori, who also happens to be, in addition to being a hot political commodity herself, the wife of Dorchester reporter, publisher Bill Fori. Right. I mean, that that's a formidable alliance. Yeah, the Forys are an old Irish-American family from Dorchester, married into the new, well, not Haitian majority, yeah. but... Um, the, the, the new Haitian. New Boston. Yeah. So, the, the new by the way, everyone listening should go back and listen to our scrum with Bill and Linda if they haven't already. Yeah. Or even if they have. So, But w- what's important here is not only would Forey's support for Walsh, I assume, continue, Forey probably made Walsh mayor. The reason I say that is, look, many people can claim you know, that this vote or that vote was the swing. It was a very tight race between Conley and Walsh. Which a lot of people forget, including me. Yeah, it's a very tightest race in modern memory. Now, the thing is, she helped deliver the Haitian vote almost entirely to Mayor Walsh. It could be argued, and I would argue, that it was the Haitian vote that put him over the top. Hmm. Would that happen again if Presley... I, I bring all of this up just to show sort of how complicated, you know, how complicated projecting the future is. And I don't think it's a a kooky idea to suggest that Presley would be a good candidate against him. How about uh, how about Dorsina Foray herself? Despite those ties, would she ever do it, do you think? Um, Well, I'm on record as thinking I think she will be the first person, the first non-white mayor of Boston, maybe a twofer. We'll see. Maybe she's not interested in that. But my gut, you know, she may not even know herself. My gut is that she will, just as I'm predicting that Marty Walsh is going to run for governor in 2022, I predict that when that happens, she may well run for mayor. But here's the wrinkle there. Whoever's president of the Boston City Council will become acting mayor if Uh Walsh was successful. So it's a complex world out there. All right. With that blast of wisdom and insight, we're going to end this episode (laughs) of The Scrum. Peter Kadzis, as always, thanks for uh, making time to chat. This was a fun one. Thanks also to Gintoutis Dumpsius of Mass Live and Shirley Leung of the Boston Globe. And obviously, thanks to you for listening. Let me urge you to subscribe to The Scrum in iTunes if you haven't done that already. You can also leave a review if you're feeling charitable. And you can find links to past episodes like that Dorsina Forey slash Forey episode I mentioned and links to things like Stitcher and SoundCloud on our website, wgbhnews.org slash scrum. And please, if we got something wrong, if you have any inside info to dish, or if you just want to give us some suggestions for topics to cover, you can always email us. We're at scrum at wgbhnews.org. Our producer is Amanda McGowan. I'm Adam Riley. The Scrum is a production of WGBH News. <laughs>